0: Our, scripture, our first scripture today is Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And our second one is 1 Timothy 4.11-16. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth for by doing, by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Kaylin. Um, and it's it's good to be together. I thought I would start by just giving a little update on Patty too. So she um, she got to Jacksonville, Florida, to a treatment center on Wednesday of last week, and um, lots of crazy details. But the the hopeful goal is basically like any medicines that she was on um, that, like, she wasn't like doing any, taking anything she wasn't supposed to take and all that stuff. But <clears throat> any medicines that she was on that she's prescribed by doctors and stuff that were causing her more harm than good, kind of the goal was like, let's just get you off of things and see where we're at. Then this place, Lord willing, has the wisdom to then say, okay, all of this pain you're feeling, all of this stuff, let's now like, with some of the medicine out of the way, let's now dive into those. And so she's kind of in this detox place right now. Then they have places that she then goes into there on the property um, to to basically like try to figure out where all this pain is coming from and ways that they can help her with everything. So uh, they told us we wouldn't talk for 11 days. And I've actually talked to her on the phone twice (laughs) in the last few days that her and her doctor were calling just to bring me in on some of the conversations and stuff, but my my prayer is just like complete and total wisdom for the people that are down there, for just a lot of grace for Patty to be able to to walk down the road of, uh, of this, and that it would just be a place of healing in some way would be a place of healing. If that's 10% better, Lord willing, you know, way more than 10% better, but like in a way that she could come back and and be able to maybe to then keep moving forward in different ways. So, uh, but uh, we're doing well. I feel like as a family, we're sad. It doesn't feel right in our home, not having Patty there. Uh, but we're also able to do a lot of things that we weren't able to do because we were spending a lot of time just caring for Patty and stuff. So our kind of way we've been looking at it is like Mommy is in Jacksonville, Florida, focusing on her health. We can be here focusing on our health and so so we're trying to do a lot of uh, healthy things as a family and everything and I think it'd be different if all of my kids were this size, but uh, they drive and all that stuff now and so so in some ways, life has gotten a lot simpler for us, uh, even though our hearts are are with patty though too so so just kind of ways to pray for her and uh, pray for us along those lines too. We're we're planning a kind of an impromptu trip over Fourth of July weekend, Lord willing, because she only gets visitors on Sunday. Uh, they kind of want them to be all all in, so I think over that weekend we're planning on on going down, Lord willing. And, and kids have never been to the ocean before, so getting some ocean time and all that stuff. So, but uh, thank you all for your love and concern and support and all that stuff. So, um, we're in this Rediscover Church series and the goal, nothing fancy in the title, was like, Lord, help us rediscover church, and I know, like, our, our we've got kind of, like, summer numbers, and um, I think we are, we're a church of at least twice as many people, if not maybe three times as many people that I think would say, like, this is a church, um, and so if you're catching this online later, but the the heart behind it is, like, Lord, we will preach through books of the bible we're preaching through scripture this morning but would you maybe allow us to like step back and see not just individual trees but see the forest of like when when you lord think of a church what do you think about because that's what we should think about and this morning it's we're we're focusing on the two things that we spend the most time doing We do other things, but we spend the most time doing when we gather, which is worshiping and preaching. So we take communion, we do intercession, uh, other things that are very important uh, liturgical pieces of our gathering. But 45 minutes easy is spent with worship and with preaching. And it's easy to ask the question, Was that something that people should have done in the 1950s? Worship, preaching, is that maybe not something that we should do as a church today? There are plenty of church plants that said we are questioning everything. There is nothing we will do as a church that is a a given. We will question everything and only do the things that we feel like we must do or, or whatever it may be. And in this rediscovered church and asking questions like, is worship... Is it strange for someone to walk into a group of people that are singing? Like, is that weird? Should we maybe not do that? And maybe people would feel more welcome or or comfortable to come. To have a a guy uh, stand up and to have him say things with authority. Who does he think he is? What what, 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 is this like the most proud guy in the room gets an opportunity to have the floor for 35 minutes? Um, You might be like, yeah, that's right. I I believe that now. Thank you for bringing the questioning elements into my mind. Um, My goal is not to get us to question things in that way, but it is to question, like, why do we do this? Who wants us to do this? Who got to design this? And what my hope is this morning is that we would rediscover Jesus's heart for what we're doing when we gather and rediscover his design, not my design, not anybody else's design, but his design for what we are about as we gather and why that's important. So we're going to start in Colossians chapter 3. Um, it's in the New Testament, kind of towards the middle or so. If you get to, uh, some of the easy ways to remember is if you get to, if you start seeing like Galatians, it's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Um, it's, it's Paul's letter to the church at Colossa, which is a, was a city where there's a church plant. And in Colossians 3, verse 16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I just love how that's phrased. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. What I think is fascinating is that it just in this one verse, we see the intimate relationship between the Word of God and worship this intimate relationship and one of the questions for us is like would you like to have the word of god dwell in you richly i mean just even to think of that would would what if every one of us was experiencing the word of god dwelling in us richly no one is like man i'd love the word of god to dwell in me poorly Like, no one approaches things that way, right? Um, We shouldn't be content if we feel like the Word of God is dwelling in us poorly. We should not feel content. We should encourage each other to actually seek out, to be a people where the Word of Christ is dwelling in us richly, to desire, to pursue, to determine that we want the Word of Christ to dwell in us richly. And like that should motivate us greatly. Um, you know i I think of uh, I feel like part of my story is just always feeling like i 'm overweight or or I'm not in good enough shape, and I've had seasons of my life where I got into amazing like marathon running shape, you know, and i'm always kind of available for like a new way to exercise or a new way to 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 you know to have health dwell in me richly. <laughs> and and to, to feel healthy and all those things, right? And so, like, if you're motivated for that goal, you're kind of open, and there could be common sense things, like, well, you know, let's talk about calories or whatever. Like, there are common sense things connected to that. But if I'm always motivated, like, hey, I don't want to just, like, have this strange view of, like, we all have to be, like, the most amazing physical specimens in the world or whatever. But if it's like, hey, I, I reasonably want to feel healthy, right? then there's a lot of, I'm always open to think about that. As it relates to the Word of God dwelling in me, if I'm like, I want the Word of God to dwell in me richly, we should kind of always have our antennas up for how that may happen. And if we find ourselves like, man, I feel like the Word of God is dwelling in me, blah, that we are open to say like, how does this change? how do we get to where it's dwelling in me richly? And what is incredible in this passage, let the word of God dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Uh, Then here is the how. Here is the how we get the word of God in this context to dwell in us richly by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. So a first major point in all of this is worship helps us recite God's Word. Worship helps us recite God's Word. And I'm not saying recite as if like we're robots saying like, let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. You know, like it's not just this like mindless reciting of words. It's, it's an authentic, heartfelt reciting of God's Word where we are worshiping God's Word, where it gets into our souls, dwells richly inside of us. So by his design here and connection in Colossians 3 between worship and uh, uh, between the Word and worship dwelling in us richly, worship helps us recite God's Word. And then second. Worship, worship helps us respond to God's grace. Worship helps us respond to God's grace. Look at the end of verse 16. It says, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I mean, it's like, man, you could like just focus on each. Each word in there is important. With thankfulness in your heart to God. So worship is not just singing songs. It's not just about going from your diaphragm to your vocal cords. Worship is coming from our hearts. So our main question isn't, has God given you a nice singing voice? If God has given you a nice singing voice, maybe you are made for worship. If God's given you a poor singing voice, maybe you are not made for worship, right? It's not, the main question isn't, has God given me a nice singing voice? The main question is, has God given me a nice relationship with him? has God given me a nice relationship with Him? Because then from our hearts, from thankful hearts, we can sing and worship God. And uh, so I'm not advocating chaotic. Um, I've been in worship settings where there's a whole group of people over here with flags, where there are people over here with tambourines, where there are people here that were dancing. uh, And Uh, For me, it wasn't a chaotic environment, and I'm not advocating that our worship becomes this absolutely chaotic, snakes are being brought in, and and just, like, weird stuff is happening. What I am advocating is, um, imagine if each of us spent a week with a GoPro, like, right here on our faces. And it would be a little, but imagine if there's some way it wasn't like like you were able to function in life and you had a GoPro right at your face. And the church would be able to, like on Facebook, watch everybody's, like the highlights of everybody's GoPros as it was on our faces. And we would see each other's work face. (laughs) You know, like I've heard studies that like you know, I, I've worked at times where there was, like, this open cubicle environment and where, you know, it's, you might work in an environment like that where it's just, like, you can look out and just see everybody that, you know, 30 people, no walls at all, we're all viewing each other, you know. And I've seen studies that, like, that's actually been, people are, like, used to think that was this cutting-edge office environment, but instead it's, like, negative because they said most people's work face looks really solemn, Like when you're really focusing, you're not smiling. You got this like work face going on and that people are self-conscious about that. So they're more like, hey, oh hey, you know. And you're not like as productive because um, people are seeing seeing your work face and you don't want them to see your work face so you're not actually being as productive and stuff. So, but imagine if we truly saw each other's work face because of the GoPros. Uh, Then we had a good week where we were, at, we were actually able to go to our favorite sporting event. Okay, so it might be like your kid's game, it might be, it might be grandkids game, but it might be a college, some college game, college event, it might be a professional event, but it's like your favorite game, and in the middle of your favorite game, your favorite moment happens. You know, if it's like a huge home run or whatever, and the GoPro catches you at the height of your favorite moment at your favorite game, you know, with that like your know, whatever your face is doing when you just are not aware of anybody around you, and you're just all in for this favorite event, you know. And then on top of that, that week you're able to catch your favorite concert. Favorite concert, <clears throat> and in the middle of your favorite concert. Anna and I went to a concert recently, and there was one song that she was like, I, I can't wait to hear this one song, and so when the song started, we were both like, this is what we drove two hours was for this moment at this concert, you know, and so if the GoPro caught you with your favorite concert moment, you know, your favorite band or whatever it is, like, you know, you would have a different look on your face, you know, than you do in the middle of the home run or whatever it may be. But it's your, like, favorite concert moment face or whatever. And imagine if we were able to, like, look at everybody's faces. I think you'd be like, oh my gosh, I had no idea they could produce those facial expressions or, or I've never seen them. They look so alive in that moment. And uh, now, <clears throat> What if... And, man, I'm, like, careful because I don't want us to become self-conscious. I don't want us to, like, be unduly thinking about other people. But what if we had a worship face? Like, and I'm not saying... I, I know some people grew up in a church where, like, if someone raises their arm, you know, or maybe raises two arms... Or like, it's like, man, this church has gone liberal, or these people are crazy, or man, we've just, this is out of order, you know. But what if God allowed us to rediscover church in a way that it wasn't your favorite band, it wasn't your favorite sports team, it was actually the savior of your soul, your king, your God, and you stand before him, what would your face look like in that moment? And what if God would allow us to rediscover church in such a way that that when we come together in worship, knowing he is present in our midst, and we have the privilege with thankful hearts to respond to God's grace that, like, like you would in a sporting event. Like, man, when we're all in, like, you know, you have the, I remember my grandparents watching the University of Iowa during like a touchdown, and man, I saw them come alive in ways that they're like jumping up and down the living room, you know, and I was like, whoa, and it made me do that, you know, because I was like, yes, I do feel this way about what's happening right now. And for us to be a people that, are, that in a way are so self-forgetful because we've been so consumed with him, that we're not trying to be like other people. We're just us, fully enraptured by him, and we are worshiping him. And it is not crazy, snake-handling Christian stuff. It's instead theology in practice. It's taking all we know about the Word of God... And standing in front of him, and we are singing to him, we are praising Him, and we are doing that in a way that the Word of God is settling into our souls. And I believe that's his design for us worshiping. And my personal story is I went to University of Northern Iowa not as an atheist, but not as a follower of Jesus. And when I saw followers of Jesus worshiping with abandon their Savior, I was like, oh, gosh, this is real. He is real. How do I get a relationship with him? Now, I know that's not everybody's story, but that was my story. It was through worship, and people truly, I was like, man, they are worshiping a real person. I can tell. I don't know him. I would like to get to know him. And that was part of, of uh, the Word of God really getting to me through salvation. And there's a lot we could say about worship. But as we rediscover worship, I'd love for us to now look at why we do the sermon, why we preach. And we'll be in First Timothy 4.11. Verse 11 starts by saying, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, the thing to remember, this is 1 Timothy, Paul... Wrote a letter to a church plant being led by Timothy, and Paul is instructing Timothy. Paul is the author of this letter, but every book of the Bible, every letter of the Bible is dual authorship, co written. So for Paul, and we see this here like, there are books of the Bible that have really complicated vocabulary. It's because the authors were well-educated. There's also books like Amos that you can tell he is not a well-educated person and the vocabulary is very simple. So these people are writing letters based on words they know, phrases they know, and at the same time, God is breathing out Scripture, we are told. So Paul wrote 1 Timothy 4, and God himself wrote 1 Timothy 4. Every single word, co-authorship, dual authorship. So each word there in this is on purpose by God's design. So at the beginning of verse 11, where it says, command and teach these things. This has is, this is really messed with me this week. What verse 11 is saying is that God is commanding, when Christians gather, he is commanding us to command the word of God and to teach the word of God. So the first kind of point or observation about this in rediscovering preaching is preaching is commanded by Jesus to be commanded. Preaching is commanded by Jesus to be commanded. So the Word of God is never meant to be an optional suggestion. Like it's, like I should never stand up and be like, hey, I think I got some good ideas here. There are a lot of good ideas out there. So, um, you know, let's say that this is a really, take it as a strong suggestion. If our life is built on strong suggestions or if our life is built on the Word of God being something that I will take into me and I will sift it out and figure out what I follow or not, if the word of God is something that's on the shelf and it's honored, but it's not seriously affecting our lives, our life is being built on sand. And storms can come up and make it crumble. Jesus himself commands Timothy not just to share the Bible. And man, I'm going to tell you, like this is culturally, our culture does not have ears to hear this. But Jesus actually himself commands Timothy to command the words of God. To say, do this. Believe this. Jesus himself commands that scripture be commanded. Another place that this is commanded in scripture is in 2 Timothy 4.2 that says, preach the word. Okay, roxon ton logon is the word. So in Greek, just the grammar of a word can tell you that it's an imperative, that it's a command. So preach the word is a command. Be ready in season and out of season. More commands. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Strong commands here from Jesus. If I am faithful as a preacher... If I am a faithful preacher, I should not shyly suggest considering possibly the words of Jesus. The authority of your God, the authority of our God, the authority of his words, Jesus tells me if I am faithful, I need to command these words as strongly as he is. And like, if someone has ill intentions for your life, their commands should be quickly discarded. I do not like you. I do not like what you're about. I have a bad plan for your life. Here's what you should do. Be like, I hear you and I will ignore you. If someone truly knows and has the best intentions for you. Like, coaches all the time are commanding things. They're never like, hey, you should uh, consider stealing on this play. You know, like, no, they give the sign, and it's like, steal. You know, if you don't steal, you get taken out of the game because they. you got to trust that they have what's best for everybody. And here for Jesus to say, like, I am commanding your good. I am commanding your best. I'm commanding your life. For the fullest, his authority, Uh, has this been abused? Has it been abused by pastors commanding things that Jesus wasn't commanding? Yes. Does this require tons of study and prayer? Yes, to the point that Paul told Timothy, devote yourself to this. You know, so if people are like, Tim, how much time do you spend sermon prep? Is it more than an hour? If it is, we got to talk, you know. It's like, I don't believe I should spend 40 hours a week. Um, I, I, I want to have a life that is always preparing in one sense and spent seven years in graduate school just for this and other things. But, but I, I do feel like every week I need to devote myself to this because the hope is, is that I am speaking with authority because... I'm not speaking my thoughts. And that takes us to this next point. Preaching is God's thoughts, not human thoughts. So if the sermon, if I use this time in the sermon to tell you my thoughts, there is no authority in that. Uh, I will actually be judged for that. The, The sermon should never be a time where I stand up on my soapbox and share what I think we all need to to hear. Preaching is not communication of human thoughts. Preaching is God's thoughts. God's word for our life. It's hearing from him so we can be changed. And it's important for each, it is important for each of us to have a personal time where we are each personally communing with God through his word. I I recommend, and what I've done for years, even when I wasn't a pastor or any of those things, um, is I I devote just time every day. I find I'm a bad, like, you know, oh, I'm only going to be in the word, I'm going to be in the word three out of seven days. I find myself being like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get to three in later in the week or whatever. I, the type that I've, I, I've just developed a habit of like, of every day i want to be in the word of god and the the way that i approach it is that i am in the word of god until i feel like the word of god is in me so if so sometimes it's like there it's good sometimes to go through a bible reading plan and be like hey i'm going to get through the entire bible in a year and i'm just going to I'm going to go four chapters at a time, and I'm just going to muscle through certain books of the Bible and stuff. There's some value in that, but what I would really encourage all of us is be in the Word of God until you really feel the Word of God is in you. So sometimes I read like five words, and I'm like, I'm just going to chew on those five words all day. Like, those are my five words, or I'm a, that's my intention. I'm not like, you know, my intention is I need to let these five words just get in me all day long, okay? And I would recommend that over reading 50 verses that don't get in you. So for all of us, we, I would recommend all of us to be in God's word every day, allowing it to get into us and changing us. But when we gather as a church together, we hear God's word in a unique way, and that is what these passages are talking about, is when we gather, there is a unique communication of the Word of God dwelling in us richly, a unique communication that God believes we need to hear together with one voice. Then we spend time together working it out, pressing into each other, shining as a lighthouse into our community. So when we gather in verse 13 of 1 of Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, devote himself to this to the public reading of Scripture. So he definitely has in mind not just like a write some Bible study curriculum and that will do it. No, he's saying like devote yourself to the public reading, which doesn't assume that Timothy is in a room by himself. It's assuming that the church is gathering for the public reading of Scripture and hearing God's thoughts for our community right here, right now. It's immensely important because we're hearing from him, not a man. And finally this morning to rediscover about about preaching is that preaching builds an embassy of heaven. Preaching builds an embassy of heaven. Each week as we gather, the light of heaven is shining on each of us shining on our community, transforming our community. Like, I don't live in an ivory tower and just come out of my tower, like, once a week to preach. Um, you don't live in an ivory tower. Like, I'm on the ground just like everybody else. Patty and I are figuring out, what does it look like to live in the season that we're in right now? What, Lord, Lord what, how does your word speak into this? How does my community speak into this? What, what does this look like? We're in, we've never been here before. And every one of us, because it's a new day, even if it feels like the same old thing, truly you've never been here before. None of us have ever been June 5th before, 2022. Like we don't, it's new. And together, as we hear, hear the word together and live the word together as a community, it opens an embassy of heaven. The, the preaching of the word opens up an embassy of heaven just as if you were in Africa. I remember being in, in Uganda or in Kenya, Nairobi, Kenya, going on a jog with a Kenyan, which is a bad idea just in general. Don't go on a jog with an African. You will get buried, and he buried me. Um, but we he took a break outside the American embassy, and knowing that I'd be interested when I catch up to take a breather and to observe the American embassy. And, you know, it was just like, We didn't walk into the embassy, but if I walked into that embassy, it would be like, oh, this is like home. And I would hear words that were like words from home. And remember, we are are patients in the hospital, and we are ambassadors for Christ. So when we walk into the embassy of heaven that comes together once a week, we hear words from home. And we can actually walk from here, too, as ambassadors for Christ. We can invite people into the embassy. I hear in Washington, D.C., never been a part of it, but I hear, like, if you go to the Japanese embassy, they have huge, incredible parties where they're, you're eating sushi and drinking sake, I'm sure, and stuff like that. You know, it's, you're benefiting from home as it relates to those people. And for people to come into the church, they're going to benefit from our home, our true home, As we come into this place and and a sermon is forming words from home. And we get deeply encouraged as the Lord uses us to bring others to him. Our persisting, persist in this, brings growth, joy, trials, victories, and it's worth every bit of it. So what does this mean for us like today? Some implications, just two that I would encourage us into First is, would you rediscover worship? And I'm, I'm fine to have side conversations and, well, what does this mean about this and this? And this is, I've always grown up thinking this or whatever. Let's have that. But for some, it might mean actually meeting the one that we were designed to worship, giving our lives to him. I think another part of rediscovering worship could be challenging each of us once again, like not to start being really self-conscious about are people looking at me and stuff, but also I have been discipled. I mean, I was a Christian for two years when I went to seminary, and I'll never forget watching Chuck Swindoll, who became a mentor of mine, an incredible Bible preacher, um, but watching him worship. And I was like, wow, he's like worshiping as if Jesus is standing right in front of him hmm, like, I mean, that really formed me, and it formed the way I want to be, and not because it's like, oh, oh, I should, oh, oh, he's doing that, okay, I'm going to do that, what else is he doing, oh, he's doing this, time. okay, like, it wasn't me just trying to mirror a guy, it was me looking at a person, and seeing their expression of worshiping, and being like, man, I'm not there, but like, that challenges me to, um, you know, it's kind of like, like, Dance like no one's looking type stuff. Like, like, that might be good for my soul when these lyrics are coming up to enter into them. Uh, maybe it's letting go. Maybe part of rediscovering worship is letting go of the personal preference of song choice, melody, beat, instruments. You know, I mean, we could... Um, Christy does a I think an incredible job leading us as a church in worship. I think that's a gifting she has um, she's uh she's not going to be a pastor of the church, even though we joke about that and stuff um, she She has a gifting that she uses in the life of the church that can help bring people into using their giftings for worship and but you might be like. I, I don't like the melodies, I don't like the, the tempo, I don't like this, I don't like this, um, this isn't the way I grew up, I can't believe we don't have hymnals in our hands, or whatever it may be, and don't think that the reasons we do things are because we hate all those things. Um, there are intentional reasons why we do things, but the goal is that we don't let the vehicle of our worship get in the way of the object of our worship. So I've actually been in settings of like when I was in Kenya, I actually had no idea any words that we were singing, had the foggiest idea what anybody was saying. But I remember standing there and being like, I know who they're worshiping. (laughs) I can see tears streaming down their faces. Maybe I should worship Jesus too. Maybe I should jump into this moment, and I had, and and it was a challenge to me to be. But I remember being like, "Man, that was an incredible worship." And I have no idea what those dear people were saying, but I, I know the one that they were saying it too. And I think for all of us to rediscover um, re- worship in a way that God would grow us into fully entering into songs, and that it's okay to sing things that you don't believe. You know, like, I think there's a lyric that challenges me a lot where it's like, um, you're, you will uh, never let me down or something. You'll never let me down. Or, like, lyrics like that that are like, oh God, you've only ever just been, like, it's always been roses. It's always been roses. It's always been roses. That's not what that lyric means. But it challenges me sometimes to be like, man, I've also experienced a lot of really hard things that felt like death, like I was in the valley of the shadow of death. Like, I, it's hard for me to sing that but I'm going to just make that a prayer. That lyric, that's a prayer I have today. I'm singing that not as a yes. I'm singing that as like a, I want my heart to sing that. I want to have a thankful heart to sing that. And so, so and you can fully enter into a song with lyrics that become a prayer instead of maybe a proclamation. So would we rediscover worship? Then would we rediscover preaching? Uh, Would we see the sermon as a crucial aspect of an embassy of heaven coming to life every week and hearing messages from home? Have you been hearing sermons as just words from me, Tim words, Tim's thoughts? Would each of us hear them as words from God? Yes, we're to weigh them. Yes, we're to be in scripture. Yes, there are times that you might be like, "Hey, Tim, I, I would love to hear um, like a little bit more on this because I grew up learning this, and you're saying this. I'd love to hear a little bit more." And I'd be like, "Thank you, thank you." Like that is you actually wanting to hear from God, and you're just wanting to make sure you're not hearing from me, and um, and we can get. Like, we have a lot of people around us, too, that are, are speaking into that. and would we, But would we hear the words of Scripture as they are, which is the words of God? Would we rediscover the importance of hearing the preached word to be able to save ourselves and those around us? I love the end of that passage that we'd be able to save ourselves and those around us, that as we continue persisting in hearing the Word of God, that it is just grounding us in Christ. And it's not just grounding me, it's grounding us in Christ. One of the amazing commands of Scripture, do you know that Jesus commands our belief? And this is, we'll we'll end here, um, so if anybody's playing during communion and stuff, this would be a good time to come up. But um, there are so many things in Scripture that Jesus commands. And most of the times that he talks about believing in him, it's a command. It's not this, like, you are the locus of control, and I will try and get a word in. He's saying, believe and you'll have life in my name, you know. He, he he came, and he shared so much, so many commands, because it's for our good. Commanding for us, even um, as often as you take this, do this in remembrance of me. So many things that he is commanding us, and in our culture, for us to say like, yes, I am not the center of my world. You know, marketing wants us to be the center of our world and and to be able to just, you know, find what most makes us happy. And for us to look to him and say, well, he's commanding me to do these many things. I think that's what makes me happy. And one being for us to believe him. So if that's for the first time, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God came, God demonstrated his love for this, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And then he commands us to believe, because he knows that's what's best for us. So with all of his commands, my prayer as we head into communion It's to just commune with him and say, speak to me, command me. If you say jump, I want to say how high. And thank you for even speaking to me. Thank you for commanding things to me. Thank you for not giving up on me, but continuing to call me out to the life that you have designed for me to have on you. And as you command for us to do this, as often as we do this, um, what we'll do is, is let's meet with him, let's commune with him, and then TJ and Kaylin will serve us. So let's come down the center together, hold your hands out. They'll say, this is the body of Jesus given for you. Um, let's take the elements, let's receive, sta- remain standing, and we'll take it together as family. So let's respond to his good commands on our behalf.